Well, hey, everybody. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at First Free Church. Thanks so much for being with us today. As we worship God, we worship God through our singing and and a great time of music worship. And now we're going into Bible study worship. We're going to look at the Bible and see what it has to say to us. Both are acts of worship to God. So I hope that you'll give both your full attention today. And we want to welcome everybody that's watching us online still as well. Uh, The auditorium is filling up a little bit, which is exciting. That's great to see. It's, It's awesome to see so many people back. But at the same time, we've got a lot of people watch online. We don't want to forget about you or think that you are forgotten. So we care about you as well. Thanks for being here with us, whether you watch the 9 a.m. service or those of you that are here with us for the 11 o'clock. All of that is good, and we are glad that you're with us however you can be. I'm going to show you a picture right now, and this is an important picture to me. Seven years ago, I took this picture in anticipation of today. I have been waiting for this moment for seven years. I think about this picture about once every month or two, waiting for the day when I could share it with another group of people. And today is finally that day. Let me tell you the story. There's in Israel, there's this little village called Cana. You probably know it as the place where Jesus performed his first recorded miracle and turned water into wine. And these are some of the ruins of Cana. We hiked to this spot. We found ruins there, uh, pottery shards from about 2,000 years ago, columns like this and things. This area has not yet been excavated because there are so many other more important sites to be excavated. But it's an amazing thing. It takes about an hour to hike there. And on the way back from Cana, we were walking and talking. And I remember turning to the group that I was with and remarking how this must be exactly what it was like or something of what it was like to be Jesus' disciple. As we're walking along the road and and there's no cars, there's no buses, there's no trains, there's no other transportation. It's just a group of us walking together, talking about what we had just seen in Cana and then talking about the Bible and Jesus and God and what he's teaching us and all these different things. And I said, this must have been kind of like what it was like to be Jesus' disciple. Because as you walked for hours from village to village in different places, you were just walking and talking. And it was a really special moment. It was a neat thing to, to reflect on. And then I looked around and I saw this. And I realized that in this one shot, I was seeing a perfect example of one of Jesus' most important teachings, one of his most prominent parables, where he talks about four different kinds of dirt, four different kinds of soil. And you can see it all in this picture, the path, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. In the middle, you can see the path there. To the right, you have the rocky soil where not much can grow. On the left, it's hard to tell from this picture, but those are all thorn bushes And and there's not a lot of other good plants there. And then off in the distance, you see the good soil, the lush soil with all the green plants all over it. So I took this picture. And this is the first time I've ever been able to use it. So thank you. Thank you for sharing this moment with me. It's been seven years in the making. I want to thank the Academy, the Holy Spirit, my parents. The parable we're going to look at today is all about dirt. We're going to learn a lot about dirt from Jesus' point of view. The parable is called the parable of the sower or the parable of the farmer and the seed. But the reality is the parable is really about the dirt. That's what it's all about. And this parable is very unique because unlike a lot of the other parables, not only do we have the parable recorded for us, but Jesus actually gives some commentary on the parable afterward. So we have the parable and then we have Jesus explaining the parable 
It's gonna be awesome. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13 if you've got them with you. And we'll dive into this together. Before we actually do though, let's just pause and ask God to give us wisdom as we study his word. Father, thank you for the time that we have to gather here today and to open up the Bible and to see what it has to teach us. And my prayer, God, and I hope that everybody's prayer who's here with us in the building or watched online right now, is that you would make it come alive to us in a fresh way. Reveal some things we've never seen before, some new insights, and help it to sink deep into our hearts so that it would impact the way we live, not just today, but tomorrow and for the rest of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter 13, we're gonna start where you should start. That's verse one. It says, later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there in that boat and taught as the people stood on the shore. And the deal with that is if he goes out on the boat and speaks to them over the water, there's a natural amplification effect and the the crowds on the shore can hear him just fine. Whereas if he was closer to them, the sound would get absorbed by the bodies. It'd be harder to hear. So it's a little natural microphone that he has. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun since they didn't have deep roots and they died. Other seeds fell among thorns, that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now that's the New Testament way of saying, hey, listen up, eyes up here, pay attention. This is important. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him later, why do you use parables when you talk? to the people. Now, does anyone remember from the very first message in this series, the two types of teaching the rabbis use? This is for extra credit. The two types of teachings that rabbis use. Anybody want to take a guess? I, I heard Haggadahs. I think some people got it right though. The Haggadah or Agadah it's sometimes called and the Halakha, yeah, very good. Oh, that makes me so happy. You have no idea. The Halakha and the Haggadah or the Agadah and the Halakha were the plain instructions, the teaching of the law. And the Halakha, Haggadah rather, were the uh, illustrations about the law. You probably thought we were done with that, didn't you? But here we are again, the Halakha and the Haggadah. And it's actually kind of important because it's really what the disciples are getting at here. Some rabbis preferred to teach Halakha. Plain, direct instruction. This is what you're supposed to do. And other rabbis preferred to teach Haggadah, illustrations about the instructions to make them easier to understand, more relatable to everyday life. Jesus did both, but he does seem to have kind of a preference for Haggadah, especially in the public, in the crowds. He teaches a lot of Haggadah, Agadah in the, boy, that sounded like I was getting into a Harry Potter incantation there, didn't it? Haggadah, Agadah. They mean the same thing. He likes to teach illustrations to the crowds, but then he teaches more plainly to his disciples. And this is what the disciples are really getting at here. Why aren't you just giving it to the people straight? Why not just teach them in halakha? Tell them what they need to do. Why give them all these illustrations that can sometimes be a little bit difficult to interpret? 
Parables generally make things easier to understand. Parables take something that is a little tricky to figure out how it applies in your life. And they give you an illustration that helps you to know, okay, this is how this applies, or this is what this really means. But that only works if you understand what the elements of the parable reference. Because a parable is often an analogy. And so there are things in the parable that relate to things in real life. But if you don't know what those things in real life are, you have no idea what the parable means. One day when I was a kid, my dad brought home an encyclopedia on CD-ROM. Anybody remember those? Now, this was big because we used to have to go to the library and use their computer and plug in their CD. And now we had one of our own. It was one of the first encyclopedias on CD-ROM. It was a big deal, okay? Before the internet had any stuff on it that was any good, you had to get it on a CD-ROM and you plugged it into your computer. And this thing was so cool. It even had some videos and there were some audio clips in it. And it was like like magic, okay, to a kid back then. Now I know we all have whatever we want on this thing, but back then it was a big deal. Trust me. And it had one of these entries in about poetry. And there was this article about poetry and it included this clip. Listen carefully. Shall I pop my hair behind? Do I dare to eat a peach? I shall wear white flannel trousers and walk upon the beach. I have heard the mermaids singing each to each. I do not think that they will sing to me. Okay, do we have any English major nerds here that know what that was? Anybody? can raise your hand and tell me who that was. It's tricky. It's obscure. I know it's a part of my journey. And so that's why I know it so well. This is from the legendary poet T.S. Eliot. Do you know who T.S. Eliot is? He wrote a lot of different poems. This is from the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. He wrote this when he was 21 years old. Now, back then when I was a kid, I didn't know any of that stuff. Back then when I was a kid, my siblings and I would sit around, huddled around the computer and listen to that clip, that exact clip, no more, no less, dozens of times because it was so hilarious to us. It made no sense at all. And maybe you couldn't hear it really well. And so uh, I have had this memorized since I was, I don't know, eight or 10. Uh, Do I part my hair behind? Do I dare to eat a peach? I shall wear white flannel trousers and walk upon the beach. I have heard the mermaids singing each to each. I do not think that they will sing to me. Now, isn't that haunting? And do you have any idea what any of that means? I mean, it just sounds like utter nonsense until you grow up and you study it and you start to learn that those things reference things. And this guy's 21 years old. He's worried about growing up and growing old and never experiencing love in his life. He's going to walk on the beach with white flannel trousers because that's what all the old people do, evidently. And he's, do I part my hair behind to cover up my bald spot? And then there's the peach thing, which like, what is the peach thing about? Well, back when this was written, dentistry wasn't very good. And if you bit into a peach and weren't careful, you'd hit that pit and lose a couple teeth. Do I dare to eat a peach? Makes a lot more sense now, doesn't it? See, with poetry and with parables, if you know the thing that it references, suddenly it can make an awful lot more sense. So the disciples are asking Jesus, why aren't you being more direct with people? Why are you using something that has references in it that doesn't make sense unless you know the references? And here's what Jesus says. To those who listen to my teaching more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Now, here's the key to understand this whole section right here. The word listen 
is, is a fine translation, but it means more than that. It's got a deeper meaning to it than that. We, we say listen, and it can mean a lot of different things. What is meant by this word listen is actually literally to say to have, to own it, to possess it. It's not just I listened to it and then I went about my day. It's I listened to it and I internalized it. I possess it. I let it sink in deep. I own it. I have this. I I can recall this later. There are probably some songs that you know and love Maybe they're a fun song, something that you enjoy. The tune is really catchy. You love to listen to it at a, at a baseball game when we used to be able to go to baseball games or you know, hockey game. They're just fun, ramp, amp up the crowd songs that if someone were to ask you the lyrics of that song, you'd say, I have no idea. Aren't there songs like that that are just fun songs that you don't actually know what it says, but man, it's a good tune. But then there are other songs songs that have so much impact and meaning for you that it sank deep into your soul. And when you first heard it, maybe it was on the radio, maybe there was something going on in your life that was a challenge and this song came on and the words, they just touched you and you just paused and listened to everything and contemplated the words. And every time you hear that tune again, in fact, it can just be a couple of notes of it. And suddenly that comes rushing back to you. And, oh, I love this song. It's so meaningful to me. Why? Because you internalized the message of the song. You listened carefully. You didn't just hear it. You listened to the words and it became a part of you. And it's so meaningful to you now. You have it. You own it. You possess it inside. That is the kind of listener that Jesus wants someone who pays close attention to what he says and lets the message sink in deep and really owns it. Someone who internalizes it to the point of following it, to the point of doing something about it, not just to hear it, but to actually do it. That's the kind of listening that Jesus is talking about here. There's a great book about the parables of Jesus written by Brad Young. And he says this, the idea is not that his teachings have secret messages, that can be decoded only by his inner circle of disciples. Rather, his followers are devoted to the practice of Jesus' teaching. They hear the word and do it. They can understand the mystery because of their decision to obey. We're going to get into that mystery in a little bit. But for the others, the message is heard only in simple parables. So easy to understand, but so difficult to put into practice. They hear, but do not understand. In reality, they understand the parables perfectly well, but are unwilling to decide to practice the teaching. For the disciples, the mysteries of God are plain because they are practicing what they have learned. It's a deeper kind of listening. It's internalizing, it's having it, it's owning it. And for that type of person, this is so important. There is a promise from Jesus Jesus makes a promise here. He says that that person will be given more understanding. They will have an abundance of knowledge. But for the person who doesn't really own the message, who doesn't really take it inside and let it go deep, they just hear, they don't really listen. Even what little they have, even what little understanding they have will be taken away. Verse 13, Jesus says, that is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. Jesus is talking right now to a group of disciples that have come up to him after his teaching to want to know more, who have asked follow-up questions, who want to dig in deeper. But there's some who don't really care to go any further. 
The crowds who heard his message as he preached from the boat, they're gone now. They have walked away. They were casual listeners. They were curious, but not committed. And for the disciples, this is probably a very strange thing to see. I mean, if you can experience the teaching of Jesus in person, wouldn't you want to know more? Wouldn't you want to go up to him afterward and say, I've got a follow-up question. What did you mean by this? And help me to understand this parable. And yet for so many people, they heard a little bit and then they went away. And how could they walk away so easily? Have you ever discovered a new TV show that was so amazing, you binge-watched the first season in one day? I mean, let's just be honest. Nobody wants to raise their hand, but I know there are some hands that should go up right now. And you were so excited by this show that you told your friends about it. You've got to watch this thing. It's amazing. And so sometime they go and they watch the pilot episode and they come back later and you get together and you're talking about it. And what did you think? And they go, meh, three out of 10. And you're like, what on earth is wrong with you? This show's a solid eight at least. Well, I only watched the pilot episode. You only watched the pilot. Well, you're missing all the character development. You got to get it to at least episode six to really understand the struggles and the challenges these characters are, are going through. And you just got to spend more time with them. And they're like, nah, I'm good. I've, I've heard enough. I'm going to move on. And you're thinking, I've got to get some better friends. There's something wrong with this guy. How could you not love the Mandalorian? Or whatever, pick a show. That's the, the issue that we're talking about here. Lots of people heard a, snip, a snippet of Jesus' teaching. And if they wanted to listen or understand or know more, Jesus was ready to open it up to them. And they just went, yeah, I'm good. I'm going I'm to walk away. Why couldn't Jesus be more direct? Then they'd want to follow him, right? And he says, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah. It says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. This comes right out of the prophet Isaiah. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. This, that whole snapshot there comes from the prophet Isaiah. And it's what Bible scholars call a, a dual fulfillment of prophecy. There was a short-term fulfillment and a long-term fulfillment of this prophecy, but the two are connected. So the short-term fulfillment was the people of Israel not listening to the prophet Isaiah who was bringing the word of God. And the long-term fulfillment was the people of Israel not listening to Jesus who was bringing the word of God. And why weren't they listening? Because their hearts are hard, their ears don't really hear, and they have closed their eyes. Obviously, that is figurative. It means they were not letting the message get in. They didn't have it. They weren't owning it. It sort of flew right over them. Yeah, they heard it, but they weren't listening. And the result in both Isaiah's day and Jesus' day was that they couldn't understand. So they couldn't turn to God. And what did God want to do for them? He wanted to heal them. He wanted to heal them. He wanted to rescue them. He wanted to help them, but not by force. They had to be willing they had to listen, to let the message sink in and do something about it, to own it. And how tragic it is that so many people hear the word of God and they hear the teaching of Jesus and they don't let it sink into their hearts. So God can heal them like he wants to do. Sometime later, Jesus was talking about how unfaithful the people of Israel had been to God over the centuries. And how God sent prophet after prophet to them and they rejected them and walked away from God again and again and ignored his word. And here's what he says 10 chapters later. 
Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This is Jesus talking. The city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And Isaiah says something so similar back in Isaiah 65. He says, the Lord says, I was ready to respond, but no one asked for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that did not call on my name all day long. I opened my arms to a rebellious people, but they follow their own evil paths and their own crooked schemes. This has been God's experience with the people that he created. Now it's a bit of hyperbole because it's written in very general terms. But as we know, and as scripture affirms, there have been people throughout the centuries who have followed God, who have believed in him, who have listened to him, but many, many have rejected him. So Jesus looks at his disciples now in verse 16 of Matthew 13. He says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth. Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see but they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. And why didn't they hear it? Because it wasn't time yet for Jesus to come and reveal the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, the mysteries of God, the mystery about the Messiah, how he would be born in a a manger and and live as a a normal human and live a perfect life and and then die as an innocent person on a cross and then come back to life three days later and defeat sin and defeat death and and provide this way for salvation to be made right with God without all the extra stuff, without having to do a lot of things, without any works involved. This was such a mystery to them that they couldn't understand it. They prophesied about it. Jesus' followers could look back now and even later, especially after Jesus' death, his followers could look back and they could point to these prophecies and go, look, that's what was going on there. But back then the prophets didn't know. Jesus' followers, especially Jesus, one time he he talked with two guys in particular that were followers of his, and he opened up the Old Testament and showed them how all these different things pointed to him. But no one knew that back then. And they longed to know how these things would take place. But the prophets and the righteous people, Jesus says, didn't know. And that, as a sidebar here, is a great lesson for us. That we don't need to be overly worried about how God is going to fulfill end times prophecy. It's fascinating. It's interesting. It's good to study. It's not wrong to have theories about how God may bring it about. But the reality is we don't know how God is going to fulfill future prophecy any more than the prophets of old knew how God was going to fulfill the messianic prophecies. Even though many of them were the ones that delivered the message. Jesus says they longed to know how this was going to happen. They longed to hear the things that you're hearing and understand this more fully. But it wasn't time. It wasn't for them to know. God could have given us more information. He could have told us exactly how. He could have made it completely clear and plain to us. But we have to be okay with not knowing everything we want to know, just as the prophets of old had to be okay with not knowing how God would bring about the Messiah. Even though Jesus says they longed to know more and understand and see just as we do. But one thing we can't understand is the parable of the sower and the four types of dirt. 
rabbis often described their listeners in categories of four, and they would often apply some analogy to them. One rabbi put it this way. He said, quick to learn and quick to lose, his gain is canceled by his loss. Slow to learn and slow to lose, his loss is canceled by his gain. Quick to learn and slow to lose, this is a good portion. Slow to learn and quick to lose, this is an evil portion. And that's all crystal clear to you guys, right? Makes perfect sense. This one takes a little bit to chew on to figure out what's going on here. And we don't have time for that. So I'm just going to see if you can figure this out. Which one's the best one? Do you know which one is best? I saw somebody put up a three and that is the correct answer. Very good. You all get a gold star. It is number three, quick to learn and slow to lose. That is the best option. Another rabbi put it this way. He said, there are four qualities among those who sit at the feet of the sages. They're like a sponge, a funnel, a strainer, or a sieve. A sponge soaks up everything. A funnel takes it in at one end and lets it out at the other. A strainer lets the wine pass through, but retains the lees. That's the leftover yeast stuff that sits in the wine. A sieve lets out the bran and retains the fine flour. The worst disciple is the funnel that lets it in one end and out the other. The best kind of disciple is the sieve that that collects the bran to throw away, but collects in the dish below it, the fine flour and holds onto that. One rabbi even compared his listeners to four different kinds of fish. It gets really weird. And so I'm not even going to go into that. But Jesus chooses to compare his followers to four different kinds of dirt. And here's what he says. This is his explanation. Verse 18, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as what was planted. So what is the seed? Well, Jesus makes it clear. It's the message of the kingdom. And who is the sower? The sower is the messenger that brings it. In this case, it's Jesus. But over the centuries, Jesus passed this on to his disciples. And they would become the sowers, bringing the seed, bringing the message to other people. And that carries on down to today, where today we are the messengers sowing the seed. The first kind of dirt is the path. When the seed falls on the path, it can't penetrate because the ground is so hard. It's been packed down and it just stays on the surface. So the birds can come and identify the seed and pick it off and take it off the path. And this is the person who hears God's word casually, but is basically indifferent toward it. They don't allow the message to sink in to their heart and their mind. It doesn't penetrate. They may even fake being a Christian, but because they aren't actually absorbing what they hear of God's word, Satan or his demons, Jesus just says the evil one, which can refer to either, are able to come and make them forget it. And so they don't retain anything that they have learned and heard. The second kind of dirt is the rocky soil. 
when seed falls on this path, there's a little bit of dirt there to sink into. And so at first, because no other plants have been able to survive there, it's actually a wonderful environment for the seed. It very quickly grows roots, but it can't grow roots that are very deep because there's rocks everywhere. And so when the sun comes out and beats on those plants, the plant withers and dies because it doesn't have the root structure to support it. This is the person who, when they first hear God's word, they're excited about it. And we're excited for them. And it looks like they get it. It looks like they really understand the message about Jesus and the gospel. And and they can say the right things. They know some Bible verses. They maybe attend church occasionally, but they keep it all at the surface level. They never let it go any deeper. They never let it get to a transformation level. It's just, they know some things. They've heard some things. They're excited about it. It sounds really good. Jesus was a good teacher, but it doesn't penetrate any deeper than that. Their understanding of Jesus stays shallow and it doesn't really transform their life. They can talk the talk, but they don't really walk the walk. So then what happens when the troubles of life come and they face challenges and and struggles in their life? There are things that they have heard that they've maybe repeated that they thought were good, but they never let them penetrate deep into their heart and into their mind. And so things like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength or rejoice in the Lord always, or I will never leave you or forsake you or give all your cares to Jesus for he cares for you or don't repay evil for evil. They've heard those things. They thought they were good things, but they didn't internalize them. They don't have them. They don't own them. It didn't go very deep. And so when they face tough times, those don't come to the surface and they abandon it. The third kind of dirt is covered in thorns. When the seed falls here, it can settle in and it can grow. But before long, the thorns end up choking it out. Those thorns just get bigger and bigger and they, and they make it so that the new plant will die. And this is the person who hears the teaching of Jesus and they start to buy into it. And then they think uh, maybe there's something to this and and they listen and they start to follow in little ways, but they never make it a priority in their life. There's always something that overshadows the message of Jesus teaching. See, they're up for a promotion at work. And so they, they spend all of their time, all their extra time trying to make sure they're doing a good job and, and working ahead so they can get ahead. And they have no time for digging into God's word. They have no time for working on their walk with Jesus in their spiritual life. That takes priority. There are many other things like that, whether it's sports or, or money or fame or social media or even friends or family, some things that can be good things. That when they take priority over understanding and living out the teachings of Jesus in our life, they can distract from that important teaching of Jesus. The last type of dirt is the good soil that receives the seed, lets it sink in and grow deep roots. And it grows a plant that has a harvest of 30 or 60 or even a hundred fold. There's one time in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that where, where they, it says that there was a crop that produced a hundred fold on the seeds that was cast. And that was a kind of a legendary thing in Israel. So Jesus is alluding to that here and saying that the, the person who has the good soil is going to produce incredible fruit. It's going to be amazing. And this is the kind of person that Jesus wants his followers to be. Someone who opens their heart and their mind to his teaching. Someone who really listens, who understands it, who does God's word and makes that a priority over other things in their life. Someone who internalizes it and owns it. So the question for us today is what kind of dirt are you? How's your dirt? There are two different types of people 
that can receive this parable in two different ways. And both are, are legitimate. For someone who has not yet trusted in Jesus, who has not made the commitment to him to say, I'm going to follow you and make you my savior. And I'm going to ask you to save me. And I'm going to follow you. The three types of bad dirt represent people who dabble in Jesus' teaching. They hear it a little bit. They may casually attend church. They may even give money to the church. They may do some of the things that Jesus says they're supposed to do, but they've never actually gone all the way and trusted him and let his word and his gospel message of salvation sink deep into their hearts. They've never internalized that message and really owned it. So I'm going to follow him and I'm going to let him transform every aspect of my life. That's how deep this is going to go. And I'm going to have it. I'm going to own it. They may look like they're following him, but when the tough times come, it reveals how deep that seed has really gone. And if that's you, the message of this parable is to turn your heart into good soil. Listen carefully to what God teaches from the Bible. Make learning it and understanding it a priority for you over other things. Even if you're not 100% sure about it yet. Even if you're not sure if you really want to buy into it yet. Don't just dismiss it. Don't let Satan snatch it away. Don't forget about it. Write down the things that you're learning, that you're exploring. Spend time in God's word. And here's the amazing thing. When you do that, you haven't bought in yet, but when you do that, when you listen carefully and seek to understand and try to really get at the heart of this, what does Jesus say as a promise? If you listen, then you will have understanding and you will have an abundance of knowledge. So many people in this world casually hear a little bit of it. They get the pilot episode and they say, eh, I'm good. And they never go any further. But if they would just take the time, if they would just open their minds a little bit, their hearts a little bit to try to understand, not saying I'm committing to anything right now, but I want to understand this, then Jesus is going to give more understanding and more knowledge. That's for people who maybe have not made the decision to trust in Jesus yet. Now, for someone who has trusted in Jesus, we will never run out of teaching about the kingdom that we need to grow in and learn more in. At least this side of heaven. We are never going to reach a point where we can say, I'm good. I got it all. There will always be things we need to work on. And so for many of us, there are patches of dirt in our life that represent these different types of dirt Jesus is talking about. We can still have this problem as well. And maybe it's a heart that has become kind of calloused to some of God's teaching. It's, it's been hardened over years of doing things a certain way. And God's trying to knock on our heart and say, hey, I want you to make a change here. Hey, this is not the way to be doing this. This is not the way to be treating people. This is not the kind of integrity that I want you to have. And we become so calloused and so hardened in our heart that that message can't penetrate. Now, here's the thing that happens. The Bible says that God disciplines his children whom he loves. And that means if you've got some patches of hardened dirt in your life and God's trying to get a message through to you, at some point, there's a very good chance that he's going to bring some discipline. It's going to be a tiller that's going to come through and uproot that. And many of us have experienced that. I, I would guess that most of you have experienced that in your life where something crazy happens that rocks your world. And you go, man, I don't ever want to go through that again. But God used it to get a hold of me. He used it to really help me to understand something that now that I look back, he was trying to teach me all along. I just wasn't getting it. So can I just make a recommendation to you? Treat this time here, this message as your wake-up call so that you don't need a bigger one. 
That's just good spiritual advice. Till up that ground and allow God's message to go in deep. And that thing that you've been stubborn about for a long time and have not let his word go deep into, just go ahead and say, God, I'm going to give that over to you right now. Partially because it's the right thing to do and partially because I want you to transform every aspect of my life, even the stuff I've been holding on to. And partially because I don't want that discipline. That's how God works. Maybe you have a genuine relationship with Jesus, but kind of a casual relationship with his teaching right now. And it generally stays at a shallow level for you. And it's easily forgotten in challenging times. And your heart is a little bit like rocky soil. You you believe in Jesus, but as that teaching is coming to you, there's some areas where it just hasn't gone very deep. And for you, maybe you need to spend the time to identify where are the rocks in my life that are keeping this from going deeper. And let's dig those rocks up. Let's get those out of our life so that God's word can go deep in my life and I don't have a shallow faith. And maybe like the third type of soil, you have allowed so many distractions into your life that listening to and understanding and following God's teaching has become just a side thing to you. You're here, you're watched online. That's great. What's going on for you tomorrow in your walk with Jesus? Or have the pressures of life and of work and of family and hobbies and sports and money and whatever else you're into crowded out like the thorns, the teaching that God is trying to help you grow in. See, this has application for all of us. My challenge to us today is that we would do a dirt analysis. Commit to being the kind of soil that is receptive to what God wants to teach us, that lets that message go in deep, that doesn't just hear it and let it go out the other end, but that really meditates on it and dwells on it and thinks about what it means and the implications in our life and comes to Jesus in in our alone time with him and says, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? Go deeper. Teach me what more you want me to know. Help me to grow in my walk with you so that I can produce fruit for you, so that I can grow and not be weak when times are tough. Make the commitment this week with God's word to internalize it, to own it, to have it. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Father, your word is so powerful. And God, it teaches us how to respond to your teaching. And my prayer right now, Jesus, is that you would help us to respond in a way that is glorifying to you, in a way that lets the message go deep into our heart, into our mind, into our soul. There are so many things that we need to learn and grow in, Lord. And it's too easy, and I'm guilty of this as well, to just kind of let it pass over and go, hey, that was really good. That was a good message. That was, I, I needed to hear that. And then forget about it. And that's not the kind of listener you want us to be. So Jesus, my prayer is that you would help us. Help us, Lord to have the good soil, to let the message go deep. And that if there's anybody here who doesn't know you as savior, hasn't trusted in you or watched online right now, Lord, that you would teach them, give them more understanding, help them to listen and to learn and to seek out people who know you so they can understand better what following you is all about. Lord, as we celebrate your sacrifice right now and we remember what you did for us, I pray that you would Till up those areas of our life that have not been receptive to your word and to your teaching. There are some rocks in our lives. 
There are some thorns. There's some hard, compacted soil that has not been fully receptive to you. And we confess that right now. God, we confess that we haven't always listened. We haven't always understood. Sometimes we've closed our eyes and we certainly haven't always done the things that you have asked us to do. And yet you died on the cross so that we could have a transformed life so that everything could be different because of you. And Jesus, we remember now your sacrifice and we ask that you would make it a reminder, a milestone to us to remember the the changed life that you want us to have. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.